0: From the pages of the Trenton Times, January 20th, 1909. Fly arrival of Leeds Devil has Jersey people frightened. Hoof prints in the snow, wearing noises in the air, and other uncanny manifestations reach Bordentown and Mount Holly after making sensation in lower counties where natives remain indoors after sundown. The residents of Bordentown, Mount Holly, Burlington, Gloucester, and Woodbury, and many other towns in Woodbury and Gloucester counties are greatly excited and mystified over the discovery of curious hoof prints, made it is thought by some strange animal, not as of yet classified by scientist or nature faker. The trail of the beast, although no one is known to have seen the creature, leads to the belief that the animal is two-legged, with hooves like a horse, has wings, and is able to fly, possesses a remarkable form, so that it may crawl through a hole less than a foot in diameter, and is sufficiently cat-like to on fences and over chicken coops that would not bear a 20-pound weight. Skillman, a little village near here, was the first place to report having seen a strange animal. Since then, the odd tracks have been followed for many miles and covered a strip of county three miles wide. Old residents of South Jersey are recalling that in the winter of 1894, tracks were made by an unknown beast in the vicinity of Point Leeds, and the creature became famous as the Point Leeds Devil. There was a similar excitement near Bridgeton in 1873. Distinct imprints of the animal that is now holding public attention may be seen on the lawn of the home of Adam Cattle of Woodbury. Five tracks are in the middle of a grass plot, and there are no others in sight. Mr. Cattle is convinced that the creature can fly. The Jersey Devil, also known as the Leeds Devil, is a mythical creature that is said to be haunting the New Jersey Pine Barrens. The folklore is dated back to 1753, when Jane Leeds gave birth to her 13th child. The story tells that Mother Leeds had 12 children. After she found out she was pregnant for the 13th time, she was so angry that she cried and cursed that the child would be the devil. The child was born as a normal child, but soon he changed to a creature with hooves, a goat's head, and bat wings with a forked tail. Growling and screaming, the child took to the sky, flying up the chimney and heading into the pines. In some versions of the folklore, the mother of the baby was supposedly a witch and the child's father was the devil himself. This story has been shadowing all of New Jersey. People often get scared to cross the Pine Barrens, especially in winter. The eyewitness accounts of this creature are staggering. There are so many, some of them dating right up until today. And believe it or not, A lot of them come from really credible sources. One of the first reported Jersey Devil sightings was in 1812, when Joseph Bonaparte, Napoleon's older brother, claimed he saw the Jersey Devil while hunting near his Bordentown estate. Sightings occurred and the legend grew, fueled by animal attacks, strange footprints, and reports filled by eyewitnesses who supposedly encountered the beast. The Jersey Devil's fame solidified itself in January of 1909 when nearly 1,000 reports came in from eyewitnesses throughout South Jersey. While testing cannonballs at Hanover Mills Works in the Pine Barrens, Navy Commander Stephen Decatur reportedly saw the creature and shot at it. And let me tell you, this guy must have had some aim because the cannonball blew a hole in the devil. But it wasn't phased by the projectile. Strange tracks were found in the fields near where the body should have landed, but bloodhounds allegedly refused to follow them. The children of that area were fine with it all, though. Because of the occurrence, schools near the Pine Barrens were closed. The Jersey Devil fad died out for a while, until 1927, when a taxi driver in Salem City allegedly encountered the devil while changing a flat tire. The man told the police that a winged creature was pounding on the roof of his car. Hey, maybe he needed a ride down to Georgia. I'm ashamed of myself for that. In 1960, several residents of Mays Landing heard horrifying screams in the night. There was no explanation for the noises, and people began to panic. Police hung flyers assuring residents that the Jersey Devil was a hoax. But a circus owner countered the appeal by offering a $100,000 reward for anyone who could capture the creature. No one ever received that money, though. Mary Reitzer Christensen told Weird New Jersey that she got the heebie-jeebies one night in 1972 when she spotted the Jersey Devil on Tree Road. Christensen was driving from Blackwood to Glassboro when she said she saw a towering figure crossing the road about 25 feet behind her car. She described the figure as standing taller than the average man, with thick haunches like a goat and a huge woolly head. New Jersey forest rangers are experts on the wildlife that inhabits the woods they patrol. But in 1980... Wharton State Forest Chief Ranger Alan McFarlane saw something that both grossed him out and stumped his wild animal knowledge, a brutal scene on a South Jersey farm where a pack of pigs had been killed. He reported that the backs of their heads were eaten, and their bodies were scratched and torn. However, there were no tracks surrounding the bodies, and no blood on the ground. In the late 1980s, a group of friends went camping and dirt bike riding down in the Pine Barrens. While riding down a trail about a hundred yards from camp, the bikes all stalled. One said it could have to do with maybe the terrain, or perhaps the nearby power plant. However, as suddenly as the bikes quit running, the men heard a piercing, inhuman scream coming from the woods. When they returned to camp, those who stayed behind said they heard the screams also. That evening, one of the men went into a local bar and told the bartender about the screams in the woods. The man informed the visitor that he had most likely had an encounter with the Jersey Devil, and that they should not return to their campground. Not for nothing, but I would have been under my bed with my teddy, not slinging beers with the boys at a local dive after something like that. In 1993, Forest Ranger John Irwin was driving along the Mullica River when he saw a strange creature blocking the road ahead of him. He said it was about six feet tall, with horns and matted black fur. The two stared at each other for several minutes before the creature turned and ran into the forest. One evening, while taking out the trash, Fran Capallo, owner of the Smithville Inn and village in Galloway Township, saw a strange shadow projected on the wall before her. She said she looked up and saw the shadow of a beast with wings. While the image had to be frightening, Capallo said she felt calm, as if the Jersey Devil was watching over her. Perhaps he was curious about that night's specials. So ashamed. While traveling on Route 9 in Bayville... Three cars were forced to slam on their brakes when, according to one witness, a 10-foot-tall, Jersey Devil figure with a long head and short, flat ears ran across the road. One witness reported that the creature emerged from a wooded area near a mini-mall and galloped out in front of traffic, disappearing into the woods on the other side of the street. One of the most recent sightings occurred in Galloway Township in October of 2015. Little Egg Harbor resident David Black said he was driving along Route 9 near a golf course when he saw what he thought was a llama walking in and out of a tree line on the side of the roadway. Suddenly, the creature spread its wings and flew away. He captured the beast's image with his cell phone camera, and the photo went viral. A few days after David Black supposedly captured the Jersey Devil with his cell phone camera, Emily Martin shot a video of what appears to be the same creature after she spotted it on Old Port Republic Road near Leeds Point. Both Black and Martin swear neither the image nor the video were edited or set up. Some who have seen them, though, have their suspicions. Good old JD is a pop culture sensation, being the subject of callous TV show episodes and even music. My first exposure to the Jersey Devil was in 1993, during season one of The X-Files, in the episode of the same name. The episode is about a murder of a homeless man, which is very similar in details to a murder committed in 1947. Old Mulder put the pieces together which led Scully and himself to the legendary man-beast. It was the ending of that episode that stuck out to me the most. It was a boy and his dad hiking in the woods. The dad starts telling his son the legend of the Jersey Devil as they make their way through the trail. As they are walking away, a child of the Jersey Devil appears, listening to the pair, and watches them as they walk away into the woods. It's pretty creepy. I know what you're asking. What the hell was the boy doing up at 10 o'clock at night watching the X-Files? I'm not qualified to answer that question. There was also a really cool episode of the Extreme Ghostbusters, a show that is criminally underrated in this man's humble opinion, named The Jersey Devil Made Me Do It, released in 1997, also in Season 1. Hmm. While well, on the way to a paranormal convention in Atlantic City, the Ghostbusters are attacked by the legendary creature. To make matters worse, They must help defend a small town that thinks it's all their fault that the demon is back. Just a fun bit of TV for those who are into that sort of thing. Jersey Devil music, like the legendary creature itself, doesn't seem to exist until it suddenly appears, sometimes seemingly from nowhere. That's the case with a song that starts with the Jersey Devil declaring, Hear me now, I was born the 13th child, neath the 13th moon, spit out hungry and born anew. The song is Bruce Springsteen's, A Night with the Jersey Devil. The New Jersey rock and roll legend released it on Halloween 2008 as a free download-only single. Springsteen accompanied it with the following note, Dear friends and fans, if you grew up in Central or South Jersey, you grew up with the Jersey Devil. Here's a little musical Halloween treat. Have fun. Atlantic County, New Jersey. The night was cold. The frosted winds biting onto the windshield of his Peterbilt like icy teeth. The wipers barely able to keep the snow from blinding him completely. Terry, who was no stranger to driving in adverse conditions, was driving late down the lonesome Garden State Parkway. In order to make it to his delivery on time, he had to be out of New Jersey within the next four hours. It could be done. Bad weather and all. As long as nothing like a catastrophic accident in front of him blocked the road, He should be able to keep his promised arrival time. Terry was a professional. He wasn't going to let some bad weather stop him from putting food on the table. Terry had a loving family. He had a teenage daughter and a four-month-old son. That man was doing everything in his power to give his family the kind of life that they deserved. He loved his wife and his kids. He would do anything for them. His daughter's 16th birthday was coming up. The big, sweet 16. She's been talking about it almost nonstop for the past year and a half. Terry promised her the party of her dreams. He always added within reason to that promise, but deep down, he knew that if his little girl wanted juggling elephants at that party, by damn, he would somehow make it happen. Terry took up all the overtime slots that he could, and any of the garbage routes that others turned down. He let it be known that if there was work that no one wanted, he was your guy. When the news started talking about a blizzard hitting the East Coast in the coming days, plenty of runs opened up. Terry threw his name at all of them. And to his luck, the storm hit a little later in the week than originally projected. He was making a killing. Sure, he hasn't been home in three days, but it was worth it. The storm was rolling in and it was getting pretty bad outside. This was the last of his drop-offs. He would catch a nap afterwards and wait for the storm to pass and then head home. When he left, after his pickup, the snow hadn't started yet, but the sky was an ominous slate gray. But now, after almost six hours into his run, the snow was coming down in sheets. The other cars on the road? Non-existent. Everyone but old Terry took the advice of the news and stayed off the roads. The plows had barely touched the parkway. The road was a white quilt laid out in front of him. It was getting close to 3 a.m., and Terry needed to make a stop soon. He needed gas and was in desperate need of some coffee. The next rest stop was in two miles. If the rest stop had a Starbucks, he would load up his Venti with a triple shot of espresso to boot. Hopefully the next stop was close because after that, I'm sure the toilet would be calling soon. He was cruising along slow and steady, taking zero chances. The guy was a pro. He's been doing this a very long time. He had his tunes blaring and was preparing to belt out the second verse of Wild Horses by the Rolling Stones when he noticed something in the tree line off the parkway to his right. At first he thought it was a deer, but he thought to himself that he's never seen a deer stand up like that. Not in person, anyway. Only ever in videos. The ones of the poor, unsuspecting hikers who get pelted in their lips by the deer when they stand up swinging their legs like fighting toddlers. He lowered his radio to get a better look, and noticed that that was no deer. He didn't know what the hell it was. Did it have wings? It looked as if it was making eye contact with him as he drove by. Its horse-like face had two deep cavities in its head that housed two crimson orbs that he felt piercing right into him. He brought his eyes back to the road just before he heard a bang of something hitting the top of his trailer. Oh god, hopefully a tree didn't fall. He glanced out of the rearview mirror as he was slowing down to pull into what he hoped was the shoulder. The snow coming down was making it impossible to tell what lane he was in. That's when he saw the creature from the woods scurry along the top of the trailer towards the cab. My eyes have to be playing tricks on me, Terry thought. He's been putting in a lot of miles, and the blanket of snow around him was having a desert mirage effect. He had to get off the road. That rest stop couldn't come fast enough. Now with his focus back on the road, coming around a small bend, he saw it again. Off to his right side now, peeking out from behind a tree. He thought it was a red reflector light, but as he passed it, he saw that was no light. He got a better look this time, as it was on his side of the cab. Standing on two goat-like legs, with leathery wings draped down on its sides, its red eyes staring through him, its small arms pointing out towards his truck. Towards him, the three fingers of its right hand gesturing to him with a come-hither motion, to join him in the woods. Terry was shaken to his core. For whatever reason, he thought about the last conversation he had with his daughter before he left the house three days ago. "'Dad?' You'll be home this weekend, right? I want you to come with us when we go dress shopping. Of course I will. Wild horses couldn't drag me away. Samantha smiled and came and hugged her father. I want you to be extra careful when you drive. You know the weather outside's going to be really bad. I will. And take it easy on your mother. You know she loves you. Okay, I know. The warmth, love and care in that hug was all that was needed to get him through the next couple of days. He was certain of that. When he snapped out of his daydream, the creature was gone. He didn't know what was happening. Was he having an embolism? Some sort of brain tumor developing? Regardless, he knew one thing for certain. Get off the damn road. Take a break, Terry. The miles he's been putting in lately? No wonder he's cracking up. It wasn't helping that he was the only vehicle on the road. Just his thoughts and his music. He wasn't even getting any chatter on the CB. Now everything was making him increasingly nervous. Being alone out here with whatever was following him was making him feel crazy because he was certain that his eyes were playing tricks on him. That the solitude has caused his brain to manifest this nightmare creature. He's heard stories of that before. He remembers a story from back when he was a kid of a girl somewhere in New England who shot her brother by mistake because she thought that he was a monster coming out of her bathroom. The doctors in the report said that their move to the new town and her not knowing anyone and spending all of her time secluded caused her mental state to deteriorate. He was hoping that's not what was happening to him. All of this was happening within minutes. The song on the radio hasn't even ended yet. It was really the only thing comforting him. It was the song that his daughter asked him to dance with her to, if and when she got married. It always made him happy. He had it a few times on his playlist, just so it would come up a bunch during his shuffle. Just then, in the distance... He saw the glowing orb of the creature's eye again. This time, back on the passenger side of the road. This was no delusion. No brain tumor. No embolism. This was a goddamn monster standing in the woods. He locked his eyes on it. He was making sure what he was looking at. That there would be no mistake this time. And he knew this was nothing that he's ever seen before. Once his truck made it past this grotesque creature, he brought his unbelieving eyes back to the road. And there it was again standing directly in front of him this time. In the middle of the road, its cloven hooves seemingly standing on top of the carpet of white that was laid out in front of him. Panic-stricken, he locked up the brakes and the creature made its charge toward the truck. He dipped into what he assumed was the shoulder of the road, and the trailer he was pulling started to slide out in the opposite direction. He did some oversteering and pumping of both the brakes and gas pedal, and managed to recover just in time as he felt the trailer's back wheels begin to lift off the ground. He managed to bring the truck to a stop safely, just as the song was reaching its finale. Sinking into his seat and taking a deep breath to calm himself, he was reflecting on the night's strange antics. He sat up and scanned the outside of the truck for any sign of the creature. It was nowhere to be found. He wanted, no, he NEEDED to get off the road. It was becoming too much now. He eased his truck back onto the parkway and started to head back en route. His radio kicked back on with the Rolling Stones. Wild Horses was starting again as he made his way around the bend in the road the blue sign was just up ahead it read rest area two miles well that was odd didn't he pass one before that said the same thing well no matter in two miles he'll get his coffee and he'll see if McDonald's was serving breakfast yet he needed a sausage biscuit at this point even though he was watching what he was eating lately to fit into his suit for his daughter's sweet 16 he thought to hell with it I earned that biscuit after tonight. The road stretched on in front of him with big globs of snow smacking into the window like hundreds of fat white bugs. He heard a bit of static come over as the CB radio came to life. The voice sounded far off at first, and he couldn't make out what they said. He picked up the receiver and pushed the button and said, Radio, this is Big Terror. Come back. The voice on the other side came back much clearer this time with, Stay with us, buddy. That's a weird thing to say, Terry thought to himself. Maybe the lines were crossed and he was picking up another conversation. That happens. He didn't bother responding. He hung the receiver back on its clip and brought his attention back up to the road. Blue sign up ahead. Rest area. Two miles. Wait. What? Terry said out loud. The last sign definitely said two miles. What the hell was going on? The CB clicked on again. Jesus Christ, we're losing them! The voice shouted from the other end. Terry picked up the receiver and yelled into it. This is call sign Big Terror. You have your radio crossed. You're transmitting an open frequency. The music on the radio was coming to an end, and the soft melodic guitar riff opening of Wild Horses was starting again. CB radio clicked on once again with the voice shouting this time, Clear! Terry, in almost a fit of rage, picked up and slammed his thumb into the receiver button. Clear? Clear what? You've got the wrong guy, pal. Voice came back again. Clear! A blue object caught Terry's eye in the distance. It was a sign. It read, Rest area. Two miles. The CB clicked back again with, We lost him. He's gone. Just as Mick Jagger was singing the words, Tears must be cried. Let's do some living. After we die wild horses couldn't drag me away. Somewhere in Claremont, New Hampshire, a phone rings at 3.30 in the morning, waking up Samantha and Jacqueline Henried. Hello. The sleepy voice of Jacqueline spoke into the phone. The voice on the other end said, Hello? Is this Miss Henried?" Jacqueline responded with, Yes. Who, who is this? Is everything okay? Samantha was stepping into her mother's bedroom doorway, asking, Mom? What's going on? Who's on the phone? Is it Dad? The voice on the other end responds with, There's been an accident. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History, music by Kevin MacLeod.